Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Adibi IP Group Innovators Q&A session with Amir and Victoria, your daily show where we answer intellectual property questions involving patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, you name it. You guys have questions. We'll give you thorough and complete answers. If you guys have any questions that you guys want answered related to intellectual property, please send them to Victoria. You can email her at victoria at adbip.com. Again, this is episode 29. We've been going strong every day, Monday through Friday, bringing you guys clarity and understanding in the areas of various areas of intellectual property. Uh, so this is a question and answer format type show. As always, we always start with yesterday's question, reviewing it briefly uh, before jumping into, into today's question. So Victoria, uh, what was yesterday's question? Yesterday's question was, how do I find my competitor's marks? And so we covered how to use tests, how you could search the, the test database. Uh, let's see, where is the, this is the link, test2.uspto.gov, where you can actually search by the trademark owner. So this is a really, really good tool. And I think yesterday's example that Victoria threw out was Apple. So we went through and we saw all of Apple's marks. There are well over a thousand and uh, we saw how we can identify both live marks and also dead marks. So marks that a company no longer cares about and is no longer maintaining. So it's really good strategic information for your business. It will give, help you develop business strategy in terms of how to, how to deploy in new markets and also compete in existing markets. Uh, it also gives you a really good sense of this analysis will help you in trying to understand your competitors, where they're going and what present areas they are selling goods and services in. So really, really good form of Intel. And it's a really, really easy way to start surveying the market and try to get a sense uh, of what your competitors are doing and spending resources on. Um, so that being said, I think we should now move on to today's question of the day. This is uh, episode 29. Victoria, go ahead. The question of the day is how do I protect my clothing brand? So we get a lot of people wanting to protect their clothing brand. It's a really, really common thing that comes up. I'll get, we'll get a phone call or a, a, a email, someone uh, wanting to launch a, a cool brand name for their, for their shirts, hoodies, beanies, you name it. So this will be, I think, a really, really valuable piece of content for a lot of you. So the first step is trying to, first of all, identify what class of goods clothing would be under and also get a sense of what types of uh, descriptions that people actually provide when they are seeking protection for clothing. So this, this episode is actually going to be a bit of an amalgamation. So we're actually going to combine uh, some of the prior concepts that we've learned in prior episodes uh, in trying to answer Victoria's question. So let's hop in and first things first, I, my general recommendation is to start out with a trademark ID manual. So you, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go into the trademark ID manual and just do a generic search for something like clothing or apparel. Uh, apparel would work too. Um, but what you're quickly going to figure out is you're going to figure out that clothing falls under class 25. If you want more generic, you can try including both clothing and apparel. Uh, or actually, I think just apparel is probably a better better bet. Um, and you're going to see a bunch of examples, um, but the, the, what you're going to learn quickly is that class 25 is the way to go. Uh, you can try various searches. Um, I will tell you what I generally like to see is something generic like clothing and apparel. 
um, usually followed by namely, and then listing out uh, all the various types of clothing and apparel. Um, but if you have any questions or any doubts, you can type in specific types of clothing and you'll see that you'll identify the class, uh, jeans, you'll also see 25, basically any sort of clothing that you can imagine, um, you're going to find in under class 25. You're, what's also interesting is that footwear also falls under class 25. So that's a, a really useful thing to remember and to keep in mind. Um, so again, once we have the class ID number, the next step in trying to protect your clothing brand is trying to identify other marks that might be deemed to be similarly confusing to the mark that you are interested in pursuing. So one of the requirements for obtaining trademark registration is that there don't already exist similarly confusing marks already on the principal register. So the way to do that is to do a search. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, now that we have the information, we understand what the trademark ID, what the, what the class number is for clothing and apparel, um, we're now going to go and try to search for under, under that class in the search in the trademark database for similarly sounding or similar type of uh, uh, brand names that also sell clothing. So in order for me to do that, uh, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to share with you a search um, screen so that you guys can actually see the types of searches that I would be doing in this situation. And again, you want to hit test2.uspto.gov. Um, Victoria is so kind to put it up on the screen for us and show us again in case you guys forgot. Um, but what you're, going to, what you're going to want to do is I, I would recommend for clothing to start out with just doing a structured search. So I would go in and I would actually use the middle option. Just to be clear, you could do the basic word search and just type your brand name in, in, in the box. But I will show you why it's probably a little better to actually do a structured search if you know for sure that you're seeking a clothing and apparel. So clothing and apparel is under class 25. Now, this is a really, really important tip that a lot of people make mistakes when they're first doing searches. They forget to add the zero. So searching on the trademark database through the USPTO.gov is a really useful tool if you know how to use it and if you know how to use it correctly. If you do not have this zero before, then you're not actually going to identify uh, class 25 goods and services. So what you're going to do is, is you're going to pick 25 and then international class. And then for the other field, the second field, you're going to pick probably the basic index. So this is going to be a combination of various aspects of, of basic, a basic word mark search. Uh, so it'll also cover design elements that also feature that word that, that you put into here. Now, the question, of course, um, that this begs is, well, what is the question what, what is the, the brand that we want to search? Uh, so Victoria had some ideas. Um, I had some ideas. I don't know, Victoria, do you, are you, do you feel uh, inspired by anything in particular? Or do you want me to, to throw out the idea that I had? I think the idea you had is good. <laughs> okay, very well. So uh, Victoria's a little shy today. Uh, <laughs> let's go with flip threads. Super random, I know. Uh, but it's just, a, just for purposes of example. Um, now... Another really, really important thing. You want to make sure this operator is actually set to and. Why is that? Well, think about it. If you did or, this would return all result, results that both match flip threads or match class, class 25. So this is essentially going to return the universe of marks covering clothing and apparel under class 25. So that would not be very helpful 
if you were doing a search. You want to make sure you have the and selected. Now, this is actually going to translate into straight and. So it's going to look for, if you have a space, it's actually going to look for all search results that have both flip and the word threads in, in the basic index. So you can see, interestingly, you can actually pick uh, plural or not plural. Um, so we can actually do flip thread and then search for plurals. Uh, and that would actually give you similar results. So now let's do a search. Now, what's interesting here, um, this is going to, a lot of these are actually going to have that same word. Um, so one of the two words. Um, what I would recommend, if FlipThread was actually the brand, what we're going to see when we do the search is not any results. So um, I would, in this situation, you might consider filing under just that word. But to be more thorough, I do think it's a really, really good idea to search in this format. No, so let's go back to this format. So initially we have some confidence. Now, I personally, what I, I load a couple things. One is that we actually have 1,522 records. Um, not all of these are going to be live. So that's something to keep in, keep in mind. Um, another really, really important thing that I wanna to bring to your attention is this word threads here. This is a really good example where you have to remember that when you're doing these searches, you want to look for well for phonetic equivalence as well. So it's really really important. The nice thing about the basic index is that it actually you, you notice it'll, it actually matched threads spelled with a D and a Z. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and you see down here they actually disclaim threads. So um, an important strategy: make sure that when you guys are doing your searches that you don't limit yourself to just that spelling. That you actually spell other uh, more common or, well, maybe not as common, but maybe more unusual uh, spellings of the word, okay? Now, if we want to find the live marks, you're gonna want to include this language here. Um, this LRD, this is live or dead indicator, and then live. Um, and this is gonna narrow our search down by a lot, because this, this, as you can see, it's only 121 live with this particular variation of threads. Let's look at flip thread with this variation. Um, again, this is a lot more manageable. Um, so if we go down, what I recommend doing at this stage is usually just doing word searches just on your browser to see if you actually find anything with flip thread and with that variation. And you can see in this case, the first few, the first hundred set didn't yield any. And then again, you can do the same thing here, try to identify, see if there's any flip threads. Second seems clean. And then let's try the third. See flip thread, only two locations. The last one, again, only two locations. And so basically at this point, um, we, we have a lot of confidence that FlipThread is probably um, could be a, a, a viable, viable trademark that we can protect. So again, it, use, using the basic index, very, very good way to go. Um, adding the live indicator to ensure, to ensure that you're only looking at live marks. This is a really good technique. Um, if you want to be super conservative, you can look through the dead marks. There is a possibility that you could, that, that a brand might revive itself and even an, even a technically an expired trademark. 
So keep that in mind, but generally this is relatively safe. And I would, I can say I'd be pretty confident in this situation of pursuing this mark, uh, just given the fact that we've gone through. Um, now, again, if we're doing a more thorough search, really look out for phonetic spellings. It's really important that you evaluate and consider alternative spellings of very common words. Um, you don't want to get stuck in the situation where some examiner finds the uh, identical phonetic spelling, but they use different letters in an already existing mark because now you're going to be running into some trouble. You might receive a likelihood of confusion refusal. And I can tell you now, those are fairly, fairly difficult to overcome. So keep that in mind as you're doing this. And again, uh, going through the records, really, really good way. And in this particular situation with this particular brand that I that I just cooked up, I, I would feel pretty confident moving forward just based on this initial searching. So that that's basically the rundown on how you go about trying to identify marks uh, in order to protect your, your clothing brand. So you basically want to do a search. I would do a search under class 25. Now remember, it's really important, add that zero. Um, I think, you know what, we're here, let's do it. Let's just say we accidentally forgot to add the 25. Um, now you're gonna get an error. Um, the reason, the reason why you get this error and why it can, it'll, it'll actually trip up a lot of people and a lot of practitioners is that there isn't an international class 25. It's, it's three digits. And so that's why when, when it does the, and so it's looking for all. So for example, if I did 25 here again, it, it's looking for all matches that match both these words and, and. 25, but there is no 25. It's it's zero 25. It must be three digits. And so this is going to return nothing. So this, this is going to trip up a lot of practitioners. The other big thing to remember, the operator, make sure that you don't have it set to or, otherwise it's going to try to match this field and this field. So um, I hope this is really helpful. This is a really good place to start for whenever you're trying to identify possible brands for your new clothing. So uh, I hope this helps. And I think we should start getting into the actual logistics of how you would go about filing your mark because that's also really, really interesting and I think invaluable to a lot of you out there. So thank you, Victoria. This is episode 29. Um, I think I kind of gave a, a clear segue as to what we're going to be doing tomorrow on episode 30. And um, yeah, thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Let's have a great night. Thank you.